0: Grace and peace to you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I invite you to join me in the call to worship. Long ago, God spoke to our ancestors in many and various ways by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by a son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he also created the worlds, He is the reflection of God's glory and the exact imprint of God's very being. And he sustains all things by his powerful word. Let us worship the God revealed in Jesus Christ. promises us that as far as the east is from the west, so far has God removed our sin from us through the cross of Christ. Because of the mercy and salvation we have through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we can approach the throne of grace with confidence this morning as we unite in the prayer of confession. Let us pray together. God of all creation, in Jesus Christ you came among us as light shining in darkness We confess that we have not welcomed the light or trusted the good news to be good. We have closed our eyes to glory in our midst, expecting little and hoping for less. Forgive our doubt and renew our hope so that we may receive the fullness of your grace and live in the truth of Christ the Lord. In his name we pray, amen. The mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. Friends, this is the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. May the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. And also with you. Let us share the peace of Christ with one another.
1: winter arrived here I'm I'm confused about what's going on here in the south but grace and peace to all of you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ it's so good to have you here regardless of the weather uh, on this glorious Lord's Day at IPC special welcome to those of you who are visiting with us this morning Uh, we are so glad that you are here Uh, and as always special welcome to those of you joining us online Wherever you might happen to be, uh, we're thrilled that you are worshiping today with us. Uh, if at some point you're able to reach the friendship pads located near the center of the aisle there, fill those out and pass those down to one another so that we might know that you are here worshiping with us today. Uh, just a couple, couple of quick announcements for you. One reminder that tomorrow night is our monthly Beer and Hymns gathering over at the Iron City Grill. Uh, doors will open at 6. You can get some food. The music will come on at 7. Uh, it's always just a lot of fun with some good music, good fellowship, good food, good times together. We hope you'll come out and uh, sing your hearts out tomorrow night uh, at Iron City Grill. Also, the Habitat build that uh, our church is participating in with the presbytery uh, is going on again. Starting It's up this Saturday, and we need uh, some people, especially for this Saturday, October 21st. Uh, you can go on the church website and sign up for a slot on that. We hope you'll take part in that wonderful way to be the, the hands and feet of Jesus to those who are in need. Uh, there are other days coming as well, November 3rd, 3rd, and 11th. that You can sign up for there as well. But We especially needed people for Saturday. Also, uh, next Sunday, after the table service, the 5 o'clock service uh, over in Highland Hall, we're going to have a special church dinner together. Uh, so we might encourage you to come join us at the 5 o'clock next week where you can always come as you are. And then stick around and have dinner with us afterwards. If you would like to do that, we would ask you to just go on the website and register for one of those meals so we know how much to make. There's a suggested donation of $10 per person, but if that's, uh, not, uh, if that's difficult for you, then, then that's okay. Um, But we hope you'll come and join us next Sunday after the 5 o'clock service. Also, there's a couple of uh, new opportunities for mission journeys next year that our church is going to be taking part in. There's some information there in your bulletin and certainly on the website. But in February, we're going to be taking a trip to Malawi. Uh, Now, uh, that's coming pretty quickly. So if you're interested in that, you need to make sure that you get your reservation in by November 1st. So if you want to know more, please reach out to Melissa Selfpatrick, our Director of Community Ministries, or Tommy Thompson. Uh, whose information is in the bulletin if you want to know more about that. Also, our church is going to be taking a trip to the Dominican Republic uh, in June. If you are interested in that, the deadline I think is December 31st. Uh, If you are interested in that, uh, Kenan Walthall is going to be leading that trip. uh, But I've been on that particular experience, uh, and as have my family, uh, many times. So if you're curious about that, I'm happy to, to share anything about that with you. Also, two weeks from today is a big day in our church. Uh, because it is the day we are celebrating the 100th anniversary of the Children's Fresh Air Farm. Uh, we're gonna have our Fall Family Festival out at the farm. It'll start at three o'clock and go till five o'clock. And we're gonna have a celebration out there, a dedication of the farm for its next hundred years, as well as dedicating the new pool house uh, that, that uh, has just been completed and is beautiful. And so we're gonna have a wonderful day out there. So we hope you'll plan on coming out uh, two weeks from today, uh, Sunday afternoon and celebrating Uh, the centennial, uh, and having our dedications together. And you know, it's, uh, I'm sure most of us have been following uh, the awful things uh, and events taking place this past week in Israel and the Gaza Strip. And after a year and a half of watching and hearing about atrocities being done in Ukraine, I'm sure that many of us are uh, reaching our capacity for processing uh, horrible things. Uh, It's difficult feeling so helpless witnessing the suffering of innocent people, and certainly there has been plenty of innocent suffering among both the Israelis and the Palestinians. And in moments like this in life, there is perhaps nothing more important that we as Christians can do than go to our God of peace in prayer. So would you bow your heads with me? Gracious Heavenly Father, we are at a loss of words about all the horrors that have taken place for the past week in Israel and Gaza. Sometimes we are still able to be shocked by what human beings are capable of doing to one another, that we have become numb to it so quickly. But we know that your heart never stops breaking when your children treat one another with violence and cruelty. You have told us that blessed are the peacemakers, and yet so often they seem nowhere to be found. So we lift up this conflict before you, asking you to do what seems to be impossible from our perspective, to bring peace between the Israelis and the Palestinians. For you are a God who makes a way where there is no way. So make a way, we pray, for them all to move past their violent history of strike and strike back and begin to see one another as fellow human beings made in your image. To that end, Lord Jesus, capture the hearts of the Palestinian people. Capture the hearts of the Israeli people. Give them new eyes to see one another as you see them. Raise up peacemakers among them who can bring an end to the violence and teach them all how to forgive. In the name of the Prince of Peace, we pray. Amen. And now at this time, I would like to invite Sissy Austin up for a special moment for mission.
2: Good morning. My name is Sissy Austin, and I'm a member of the Community Ministries Hunger and Food Insecurity Subcommittee and the Crop Drop Co Chair. I'm so glad to be here with you this morning to share more about IPC's food ministries. Harvest for Hunger is IPC's annual effort to fill every available shelf in our blessing boxes and weekend buddy bags with food. How did these efforts impact our community? By year end, we will have served nearly 3,000 weekend buddy bags at Hayes K-8 School, along with more than 1,500 individuals and families through our Blessing Box ministry. Your donations fuel both of these ministries by ensuring there's food on the table for children, parents, and seniors in our city. Harvest for Hunger bags can be picked up in the Narthex, the Parlor, and Highland Hall starting today and running until November 19th, our Dedication Sunday. At the recent community ministry series, we learned some hard facts from experts at Alabama Possible. Nearly 24% of Jefferson County children live in poverty and more than 40% of female-headed households with children live in poverty. This information is staggering. Perhaps it leaves us feeling stuck, wondering how we can possibly make a difference to help turn the tide of poverty and food insecurity. But our faith compels us to dig deeper, to find ways to talk alongside our neighbors, listening to their needs, and reimagining how best to assist and to serve. Along the way, we made some new discoveries this year, which have grown IPC's Food ministry's reach well beyond our neighborhood. We now have free mobile pop-up markets strategically placed in four neighborhoods in West, North, and Eastern Birmingham. In partnership with Eastlake Market Peer Inc., we provide healthy fruits and vegetables for more than 600 households each month. Your donations to our food ministries help support these markets. And this this fresh food is vital to many community members, especially those who live in food deserts, miles away from the nearest grocery store. And if you haven't seen or heard already, There are 33 pounds of sweet potatoes outside in the big parking lot for our annual crop drop. We're partnering with Society of St. Andrew, and our efforts today will feed over 12,000 neighbors in central Alabama through partner agencies in cities as far away as Coleman. Join us to help pack and load the potatoes from two to four today. You're invited to show up and volunteer even if you haven't registered, and even if it continues to drizzle. Thank you for all you've done, and for all we will continue to faithfully do together to make a difference here in our neighborhood and well beyond.
0: Thank you, Sissy. You remember the old song, 30,000 pounds of bananas? 33,000 pounds. <laughs> Well, sweet potatoes. And now, as we prepare to hear God's word read and proclaimed, let us first turn to God in prayer. Let us pray. Holy God, we pray that your spirit would descend upon us and would be at work within us and among us. That you would quiet our hearts and our minds and our spirits. There are so many things that are distracting us today. We pray that you would calm those distractions and quiet them so that we might be truly and fully in your presence and so that we might fully open ourselves to your word to us today We pray that your Holy Spirit would open our ears and our minds and our hearts so that we would hear these ancient words in new and fresh ways, that in hearing them we would believe, and in believing them that your Spirit would then fill us with courage and love and hope so that we might go out into the world to live more faithfully as disciples of Jesus Christ, who is your Word made flesh, and in whose name we pray. Amen. Our first scripture lesson this morning comes from Paul's letter to the Colossians, chapter 1, beginning at verse 13. Listen now for the word of God. He has rescued us from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. so that he might come to have first place in everything. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of his cross. And you who were once estranged and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his fleshly body through death so as to present you holy and blameless and irreproachable before him. Provided that you continue securely established and steadfast in the faith without shifting from the hope promised by the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven, I, Paul, became a servant of this gospel.
1: We are continuing in our sermon series on the Acts of the Apostles, picking up where we left off two weeks ago, beginning today in chapter 4, verses 1 through 21. Hear now the word of the Lord. While Peter and John were speaking to the people, the priests, the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came to them, much annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming that in Jesus there is the resurrection of the dead. So they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who heard the word believed, and they numbered about 5,000. The next day the rulers, elders, and scribes assembled in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and all who were of the high priestly family. When they had made the prisoners stand in their midst, they inquired, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders. It has become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among mortals by which we must be saved." Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and realized that they were uneducated and ordinary men, they were amazed and recognized them as companions of Jesus. When they saw the man who had been cured standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. So they ordered them to leave the council while they discussed the matter with one another. They said, what will we do with them? For it is obvious to all who live in Jerusalem that a notable sign has been done through them. We cannot deny it, but to keep it from spreading further among the people. Let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called them and ordered them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, Whether it is right in God's sight to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot help from speaking about what we have seen and heard After threatening them again, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people, for all of them praised God for what had happened. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In our text today, we find Peter and John arrested after having made quite a scene by healing a lame man by the beautiful gate of the temple and then preaching about the resurrection. When the religious authorities asked them by what power or what name they did this, Peter said, by the name of Jesus, there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among mortals by which we must be saved. Has there ever been a more provocative statement than that? Let us pray. Gracious and holy God, I pray now that you would pour your Holy Spirit through me, that these words might truly become your living word to your people. And I pray that you would open up each of our hearts and minds that we might receive that word exactly in the place that we need to hear it, For we pray this in the name of our risen and reigning Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ, your word made flesh. Amen. There is no other name than Jesus. Was pretty bold of Peter, don't you think? Arrogant even to make such an exclusive claim about Jesus? I guess it all depends on, on who you think Jesus really is, and certainly there are plenty of opinions out there. I mean, Some have said he was just a, a very good man, or a great teacher, or even a, a demigod, something partway between God and human. Others have said he was one particular instance of a God-infused person, an avatar, perhaps like some of the great leaders of other religions. But he certainly wasn't the unique incarnation of God and therefore it is asserted we cannot make any exclusive definitive claims about Jesus. For there are few things that are more politically incorrect these days than making definitive truth claims, especially when it comes to religion. Now in our postmodern world, you cannot say that you have the truth about God, only a truth that works for you. You cannot claim to know the way to God, only a way that is no better than anyone else's. And you certainly cannot claim that Jesus Christ is the unique Lord of heaven and earth, only that he is a Lord whom you happen to find helpful in your quest for God. After all, it is often assumed We are all just climbing up different sides of the same mountain. I once read an example of this uh, in an article uh, by a man named Reza Aslan, a self-proclaimed Muslim and scholar of world religions. He writes, as someone who has spent the better part of the last two decades studying the world's religions, I know better than to take the truth claims of any religion, including my own, too seriously. After all, if there is a God, then that God is utterly beyond human comprehension. Religion is simply a framework for thinking about the existential questions we all struggle with as human beings. Can you have faith without religion? Of course. But as the Buddha said, if you want to strike water, you don't dig six one-foot wells, you dig one six-foot well. In other words, if you want to have a deep and meaningful faith experience, it helps, though it is by no means necessary, to have a language with which to do so. So then, pick a well. But I know, just as the Buddha did, that while my personal well may be different and unique, the water I draw from is the same water drawn from everyone else's wells. My goal is to demonstrate that, while we may speak in different religions, we are more often than not often expressing the same faith. Now, here we see some of these basic tenets of postmodern pluralism. That what matters is a meaningful faith experience, regardless of whether there's anything real or true behind that experience. That God is fundamentally unknowable, if there even is a God. And that all religions are basically the same in the end. Therefore, none can make any exclusive claims about God or truth or salvation. And yet, did you notice that Mr. Aslan himself makes a definitive truth claim when he declares, without any evidence to support it, that the water he draws from is the same water drawn from everyone else's well? But how does he know that? Just wanting something to be true doesn't make it so. Of course, one of the very understandable reasons for this perspective is that as we all know far too well, religion has been the cause of an enormous amount of violence and hatred and suffering and division in our world. And in an effort to combat this, there has been an attempt to reduce all religions to their lowest common denominator, and then to say that they're basically all the same in the end, hoping to minimize the conflict and division. The problem is, no true adherent of any religion would actually accept that claim. As New Testament scholar James Edwards writes, To assert that all religions are basically the same, or that one route up the summit is as good as another, is like saying that all sports are basically the same. Bullfighters and bowlers are unlikely to agree. Only a non-athlete can assert such a thing. And yet there are plenty of Christians out there who ascribe to views similar to this. As one former president of the Lutheran Church in India writes, Christ is the only way to the Father for Christians. But there are other ways for those who are sincere in other religions and of other convictions. For Jesus Christ is very inclusive in his spirit. In other words, sincerity is the path to salvation regardless of what we actually believe. Or as another Christian scholar writes, when Jesus said, no one comes to the Father but through me, what he meant was his disciples. For it is indeed through Jesus that Christians have access to their God. As if there's more than one living God out there. Something the faith of Israel was always very clear about. Of course, there's another very understandable reason for this attempt to minimize any exclusive religious claims about Jesus. For many of us, the idea that some people might be doomed to hell because they never got a chance to know about Jesus just doesn't seem right or fair. After all, we think, if the gospel is not good news for all, then it is not good news at all, right? And so we reject any presentation of the Christian faith that seems to exclude much of the world from God's salvation, especially when we read things like John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only Son. Or 1 Timothy 2, that God our Savior desires everyone to be saved and come to knowledge of the truth. Or 2 Corinthians 5, that in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself course, therein lies the crux of the matter. According to the witness of the New Testament and the faith of the church, in the person of Jesus Christ, God himself has come among us to reveal himself to us, to invite us to be a part of his kingdom, and to offer us the gift of eternal life. See, part of the lies that we're often told about God is that as creatures, we cannot know our Creator, if there even is one. Now, from a human perspective, this is entirely true. None of us can climb up the mountain to God. And there is perhaps no greater sign of our hubris as creatures than to think that our religious constructs could get us to the God of creation. But as the great theologian Leslie Newbigin has noted, we have assumed, without any evidence to support it, that religion, among all the activities of the human spirit, is the sphere of God's saving action but none of us can capture God or or know who God is or what God is like through our religious efforts. If God really is God, then we are incapable of knowing Him unless God chooses to reveal Himself to us. And the Bible is the history of the self-revelation of the God who simply refuses to be God without us. Remember back in the book of Exodus, when God called to Moses out of the burning bush and commissioned him to go back to Egypt to set his people free, Moses asked, who should he say had sent him? God said, I am who I am. You tell them, I Am has sent you. Then I Am continued to reveal himself through the Torah, the law of Moses. Then I Am spoke through the prophets and the psalmists and the rest of the writers of Scripture, continuing to reveal more of himself to his chosen people. Of course, they were not chosen just because they were so special or so they could revel in their good fortune. They were chosen so that they might be the means by which God revealed Himself to the entire world. As God told Abraham, He would be blessed so that through Him all the families of the earth might be blessed. Or as Isaiah told Israel, they were called to be a light to all the nations, including, as Jonah discovered to his dismay, the hated Assyrians whom God also loved. You see, they were never meant to keep the light to themselves because I Am wanted all people to know Him. But Israel was unable to fulfill her calling. But then, one day, a young rabbi named Jesus came along, saying some very provocative things. When talking to a a Samaritan woman at a well and she said that the Messiah was coming, Jesus said, I am. When his disciples were terrified for their lives in the midst of a raging storm at sea, Jesus came walking to them on the water in the midst of the storm saying, Do not be afraid, I am. When confronted with unbelieving Pharisees who clung to Abraham for salvation, Jesus said, You will die in your sins unless you believe that I am. Your ancestor Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad, for before Abraham was, I am. Jesus said, I am the bread of life that came down from heaven. Whoever eats of this bread will live forever. He said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. He said, I am the gate for the sheep. Whoever enters by me will be saved. He said, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. And I lay down my life for the sheep. He said, I am the true vine. Apart from me, you can do nothing. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me, even though they die, will live. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. And he said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Why? Because Jesus is, I am. As it said in Hebrews chapter one, He is the reflection of God's glory and the exact imprint of God's very being and he upholds all things by his powerful word or as Paul writes in Colossians 1 is the image of the invisible God And all things in heaven and earth were created through him and for him. He himself is before all things, and in him all things hold together. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things by making peace through the blood of his cross. You see, in Jesus Christ, God gets very personal and very specific. Be very sure when we look at the face of Jesus, we're seeing as much of God as we ever hope to see. For you can be sure Jesus was not just a great religious teacher or a moral example. He was not an avatar or a demigod or even just a messenger from God. Jesus Christ is the God of creation come in the flesh because I am refuses to be God without us. And none of our religious heroics or convictions could lift us out of the abyss of our sin that separates all of us from God. Again, none of us can climb up the mountain to God as if on our own we would even know which mountain to climb. So instead, I am came down the mountain to us, taking on our human flesh and conquering sin and death on the cross that we might share in his own eternal life. And he did it for the whole world because God desires everyone to be saved and come to knowledge of the truth. You see, Jesus didn't come along to say that now no other religion can save us or that all other paths to God are now closed. No. Apart from Jesus, there never was a path to God. No religion can save us, not even the Christian religion. Only Jesus came because only Jesus is I AM. As Peter said, there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among mortals by which we must be saved. This is why Jesus did not say, follow the Christian religion. No, he said, follow Me, For in Christ, God came to free us from the power of sin and to enable a life-giving relationship with Him that death has no power over, which is what salvation is all about. And Jesus did all the work. All we have to do is receive it as a free gift of grace. But God will never force anyone to be in a relationship with him. After all, you cannot make someone love you. And that is what the heart of God longs for above all else. That we all might know how much God loves us. And that we might love God in return and experience the abundant life that Jesus was literally dying for us to have both now and now and for all eternity. And just as with ancient Israel, God has chosen some to be bearers of this incredible news that all people might enter into a relationship with Him and become part of the new creation given birth to the resurrection of Jesus. And we are the ones who have been entrusted with this truth and sent out as his witnesses to shine the light of Christ into all the world's darkness, to be his instruments of reconciliation and peace. And our world could desperately use some peacemakers right about now. And yet so often we have kept that light to ourselves so that there are still so many people who do not yet know about the love and the forgiveness and the salvation that we have in Jesus. And you can be very sure that breaks the heart of God far more than it breaks any of ours. This is why when it comes to people who who do not yet know about Jesus or who have been turned off to Jesus because of his followers, I think that God is going to be far more just and far more wise and far more merciful and far more loving than any of us would be. And I believe that God's going to work things out in a way that will be far more perfect and far more surprising than any of us can even imagine. And who knows? Maybe the atonement and the salvation accomplished by Jesus will reach further than any of us even dare to hope. Remember, in Christ, God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things by making peace through the blood of his cross. And maybe maybe that peace will reach across boundaries we never thought possible bridging the divide between christian and non-christian between israeli and palestinian between russian and ukrainian between life and death maybe even between heaven In hell. You know, I I think it's a hope worth holding on to. Knowing that any salvation that occurs will still take place through the singular saving lordship of Jesus Christ. The one in whom all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. But that means that you and I have work to do. Jesus Christ lived, died, and rose again so that we might receive the greatest gift that creation has ever been given, the Creator Himself. And you and I have been chosen to spread the good news that I Am has come down the mountain to be with us and to make all things new. And that therefore, Our hope is not found in our politics, thank God, or in our nation, or in our military, or in our money, or in our convictions, or in our sincerity, or even in our religion. No, our hope, the world's only hope, is found in Christ alone, in his resurrection and in his grace. And it's free. All you have to do is receive it. And that, my friends, is news worth sharing. Amen.
3: Now let us express our unity with the church of all ages by professing our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified dead and And now with gladness, let us present the fruits of our life and labor to the Lord. God, from whom all blessings flow, we praise you for all that you've given us, for all you've done for us, for all that you are to us. We cannot number your blessings, but simply give back in gratitude. May we live as in your presence and love the things that you love and serve you in our daily lives. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen. all names. We give you thanks for the ministry of the church in this place. For people who over time have named your name and lived your life. We pray as often as we meet that we might worthily magnify your holy name. Except that before your holy name we mumble in awe and timidity and cowardice. Your holy name we can hardly utter because we are all too aware that we live in a world that has used your name to fight wars, enslave people and kill others who bear your image. No, we are not worthy to utter your name We are so anxious and devious. We're so preoccupied and distracted. We who have our own ways in the world that are not your ways. And yet, oh God, you have entrusted your holy name to us. You've called us your witnesses. You've empowered us to be your good news messengers so we pray in this awesome moment in your presence, you may match up your holy name with our poor testimony. We call on your holy name to give us what we need to undo what has been done in your name. We call on your name to bring peace to the people of Israel and Palestine, and all troubled lands where people live under the threat of danger. And while it feels silly and perhaps even oversimplifying to pray for peace, we don't know what else to do but stand here making our appeal to heaven. And so God, we pray for peace. Peace into the hearts of those who hate into the minds of those who live in anger, of those who long for revenge. Peace against all the odds. Peace without compromise. Peace strong and enduring. Peace so children never worry as they go to sleep. We call on your name to bring love in the midst of hate and ask for your protection over people in all places filled with violence. We pray for the families of those who have lost loved ones due to gun violence and for the emotional and physical trauma that that leaves on people. We call on your name to fill those who are hungry, and we pray that the food we collect this harvest for hunger, and the food we sort today at Crop Drop will will offer more than just a meal, but it will offer hope and care to those most in need of it. We call on your name to heal the wounds of those who are hurting. We pray for the sick and the dying, the lonely and the depressed, We pray for families burying their loved ones. We pray for those in our community who are in need of your care. There is heartache there and fear of the unknown. And so God, may you care for them and reveal your presence to them so that they know you are with them. Truth be told, oh God, it can feel like it's all too much. But whenever that happens, lift our heads, strengthen our weak knees, remove our complacency and our complicity, fill our hearts with courage, for there is no other name that is worthy to be praised. So take our unworthy selves, and by your good power, let our praise toward you be done worthily. May we honor your name not by paying it lip service, Lord, but by trusting the vision it speaks of and the way it calls for. May we honor it by following you, speaking into the world with our actions and showing who we are chosen to follow. May we love in your name, speak in your name, care in your name, All this we pray in the power of your name, the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, who taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors.
1: Is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. We dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock, we stand. All other ground is sinking sand. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you, The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.